Welcome to episode 86 of season 2 of the Search with Candor podcast. I am your host, Jack Chambers Ward, and joining me this week is a fantastic freelance technical SEO consultant, Jess Joyce. We're going to be talking all about CMSs this week and also talking about coding and how important or perhaps unimportant that can be to your choice of CMS. We're going to talk about which CMSs you should pick if you don't know how to code, which CMS to pick if you do know how to code and really want to get your hands dirty and get stuck in there. All sorts of stuff in my conversation with Jess Joyce coming up in a couple of minutes. But before I get to that, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Systrix for sponsoring Search with Canda, once again, continuing to sponsor us for season two. Systrix, of course, is the SEO's toolbox. And if you go to systrix.com slash SWC, that stands for Search with Canda, you can check out some of their fantastic free tools, such as their SERP snippet generator, the href lang validator, of course, the Google update radar, which is very relevant as we're in the middle of a core update right now. And if you want to check your site's visibility index as well. Something I've touched on recently with Systrix is talking all about this new fresh live index they have, which is the hottest, freshest SERP data available to you in Systrix. If you have Systrix already, this is available for you right now. This was launched as part of the 6th of September changelog. And I know combining a lot of these new features with keyword lists is a really powerful combination. I've touched on this a couple of times over the last few weeks, but we now have the official release from Systrix in their changelog. So let's dive in, shall we? One of the new features I really want to highlight is the top URL section. And essentially, this now gives you an expanded analysis of the most successful URLs for keywords in your list. So you can see what your competitors are doing, who's ranking, who's not ranking, all that kind of stuff. It lists how many pages, it lists how many keywords that page is ranking for, and also the visibility index for that page as well. Basically, at a glance, you get to see which content is performing particularly well around a particular topic. It's per keyword. And speaking of keywords, keyword clustering based on SERPs. And this is part of these keyword lists options. So when you're in this section, there is now a keyword cluster section on the left hand side. Once you've selected your list, you can choose the keyword cluster on the left hand side in the sidebar. And it bases the clustering directly on the SERPs from Google. So it's understanding how much crossover there is between one SERP and another and understanding how those relate to each other, whether that's per domain or through their content and how much of the SERPs are similar between those keywords as well. So you can see a variety of different ways to cluster it depending on what you're looking at. This is taking Google's understanding of how these keywords overlap and basically will allow you to identify those subject areas that require separate pages and understanding where everything should be gathered together in a larger kind of hub page for a particular topic. We've also got extended five year search volume history. I know that's something I've talked about a lot with Systrix and how fantastic their search volume history is. You can now look back all the way five years ago. And I know that seems like a very long time, especially with the haze of the pandemic years and time as a flat circle and all that kind of stuff. You can see a real kind of consistency across five years for the SERPs and the searches there as well. And of course, I mentioned earlier on, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago now, you can hit the update SERP button and get the latest 
data from Google there as well. You can capture and update these SERPs. Systrix have captured and will update these SERPs when you hit that update button. And pretty much everything is kept up to date, but just in case you can hit that older than seven days old button and get everything up to date as soon as you want. So I'll put a link for this change log post in the show notes. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on here from the live indexing to the top URLs to keyword clustering. Some really, really powerful stuff that I think Systrix are doing really, really well. Keyword clustering in particular is a favorite of mine, something I'm very, very keen on to discuss, something I discussed with Andy from Keyword Insights a little while ago. Um, I'll put a link for that episode in the show notes as well and why, how, why keyword clustering is so important. Using this data from the SERPs actually to cluster the keywords based on the understanding from Google is a hugely important tool and something we should pretty much all be doing in 2023 at this point. Go to systrix.com. Like I said, it's the changelog post. It'll be linked in the show notes and go and check that out. If you're not already using Systrix, this is likely to convince you to sign up and get involved. My guest for this week is a freelance SEO consultant who has been building websites since she was 15 years old. She has worked with companies from Pfizer all the way to Budweiser and has featured in everything from Content King to Forbes. Welcome to the show, Jess Joyce. Hi, thanks Jack and Candor for having me. This is so awesome. This is awesome. I know we were just talking before we started recording how often our paths have crossed online and it's nice to actually properly have a conversation and sit down. And I feel like I say this every time when we chat, it's like, oh, we should schedule a podcast. We should have a chat. And it's yeah. nice to actually finally sit down and dive into a really interesting topic. Here we are. Here we are indeed. I'm I'm really excited because you brought an interesting topic straight away. And I know we kind of chatted back and forth and had a few ideas and what we're going to be talking about today, folks, is do you need to know how to code if you have a CMS? And we're going to kind of be talking about a load of different CMSs and how they all work and how much code you should be knowing in 2023 and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a pretty tech-heavy episode, I think. You're a pretty technical savvy kind of SEO, Jess. So I'm very much going to be leaning on you and your expertise. I'm not particularly techie myself, but I, I know my way around a few CMSs. But uh yeah, we're going to we're going to dive into some data, dive into some CMSs and all that cool stuff. And I'm very excited. Me too. <laughs> so let's dive in, shall we? Should we talk about basically, we, I guess we'll start with, do you even need a CMS in the first place? If you could, if you're some super whiz coder and you can just build your own site from scratch with HTML or CSS or whatever it is, do you even need a CMS in 2023? No. End of podcast. <laughs> I'll, hit the, I'll hit the outro music just there. Like, there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, thank you for joining me, Jess. Uh, how can people follow you on social media? We're done. Thank you so much. Fantastic two-minute episode of the podcast. <laughs> but no, seriously, please uh, elaborate if you can. <laughs> uh, yeah, happy to. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think you do because I feel like that toes the line of like, are you a developer or are you a marketer or are you like working with a team or all the variables that come into using a CMS? Usually you're using a CMS if you're not the only one using the website at some point or the other. So, um, or if you're time strapped, so like if you can code, there's 
a gazillion different options out there. You can pull down GitHub repos until you're blue in the face and just start off with from scratch, right? Um, or my favorite way of doing it is if you're if you're starting from scratch and you're a coder but you don't have the time, like I did code a website from scratch. You can pull up Notepad and just upload something to the internet these days, but you don't really need to. Like I don't have the time for that, so um, <laughs> I'll. I'll just load up a quick WordPress install and then load up a super easy theme. Uh, John Henshaw from Coywolf, yeah. He has a wonderful starting theme that um, because he's a tech SEO and he's super smarter than even me, uh, even me, my gosh. Is that possible? Than me. It, oh my gosh, yes, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he's fantastic. He has a wonderful starting theme, which uh, we can link in the description or I'll send it to you after. That's just like, he is, he's made it perfectly for speed, and it is chef's kiss. <laughs> it's got beautiful things out of the gate. So if you're just looking for content out of the gate, as most SEOs are, then yeah, just load up WordPress, which you can do one-click installs from your hosting setups these days, or you can roll your own if you're a dev and just do your NPM installs up, up until you're, again, loading in whatever intros, outros you want to do, and then bada-bing, bada-boom, Bob's your uncle, right? Um, you're up and running in like five minutes. Super easy. <laughs> um, same with all the CMSs out there because they've made the barrier to entry ridiculously easy for you to get started, right? Onboarding is like the quickest thing ever because the a CMS game is a billions and billions of dollars at this point, right? Like Squarespace is rocking Keanu Reeves <laughs> as like a spokesperson. <laughs> Uh, and John Malkovich was the biggest one that I saw that I was kind of like, John, what? I can't imagine John Malkovich has ever used a CMS in his life. Right? But he made, he, they made a website for him. And Dolly Parton, I saw this morning when I was doing like a little research. Right? Dolly's <laughs> rocking the web or the uh, Squarespace world. <laughs> I mean, that is so, so weird. I, I've seen like Squarespace advertised all over the place. I've used Squares right? Squarespace a, a couple of times. And... I absolutely hate Squarespace. I'll put it out there right now. Sorry if you're planning to sponsor Fair. the podcast, Squarespace, but for, for SEO and stuff, we we had um we had a local like event company come to us and work with some of our developers and like, oh, we built this thing on Squarespace. And it was like auto-generating page titles or something. And I was like, Right. So can you change that? And they were like, Nope, it's not an option. And like you can't yeah. change the page title. Like, why, why bother having a CMS if you can't change the page title? And I think for a lot of us and for, for a lot of the listeners, that basic SEO functionality is such an important part of which CMS you choose, right? Completely, yeah. And it's, I guess it depends on the depth of the level that you want to go with your SEO because I've seen a lot of people that are just like, WordPress. I live and die by the WordPress, but like <laughs> they're entire agencies that work exclusively on WordPress, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah, but there are other other options out there, and especially if you're going into different verticals like ecom, um, Shopify has a legitimate stake in that market, and I think there's a legitimate use case for Shopify as well. Like Shopify is not just an ecom platform; it is a CMS as well, right? And I think it's really helpful for merchants. So the perspective of just looking at things from an SEO perspective is cool as your audience does. But from a merchant's perspective or somebody who's actually selling something, Shopify has a legitimate use case. And you can do a lot of wonderful things for Shopify that you can't do or are very difficult to kind of navigate if you're just hooking WooCommerce onto like a WordPress install because that feels more comfortable for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, because you're so right. There's so many different applications for when we say websites, when we say CMSs, it seems like such a broad topic because it, it is. is. And it's like this, whether, you know, you like we said, so many people specialize these days. And there's something I, I tackled on the show a few months ago was my kind of lack of specialization in SEO feels a bit weird sometimes because I feel so many people and even like entire agencies will specialize on one thing. I don't know. We've experienced this with proposals. We've lost to clients where the agency claims to be a hyper-specific niche industry exclusively. Like, uh... I, right. I've got a foam microphone cover in front of me. So we're like, oh, we'll, we'll pitch to this and do a proposal for this foam microphone cover client. Yeah. But like, actually, we went with the SEO agency that exclusively works with foam microphone cover companies. I'm like, no, you didn't. That That's not a thing. They're just completely making that up and claiming they're some super, like, incredibly niche agency. But people do do that with CMSs, right? You get agencies, um, even development agencies and stuff like that that will exclusively work on one CMS. Sometimes that's through partnership stuff. So they're obviously like, you know, getting a kickback from that company to do kind of like sponsored partnership kind of stuff. But I do find it fascinating when, like you said, you meet the people that are like, WordPress till I die, man. Like, yeah. yeah. And you're like, have you ever tried well, Shopify? It's, point- it's, it's great. <laughs> It is, yeah. I and and honestly, like as much as I have my own personal opinions, like you do, like you're not into Squarespace. I'm not really into Squarespace either. But like, <laughs> you use oh, you use the tool that you have at your disposal too, right? Like, you have to use what's there. Like, there are some garbage ones which we could talk about for days. But like, <laughs> there's also the ones that you can roll into and agencies use. Uh, Duda, which I know has had some press, a lot of press lately. They're they're specifically that, right? Like they're a CMS for agencies so that like they can roll 60 to 100 websites out and they can manage them more effectively. And that's their niche. That's their vertical, yeah, right? They're like, like CMS is for agencies. Building sites at scale is their whole thing, right? Like, yeah, 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 exactly. So I think it's kind of like a WordPress, but they've added in like layers on top of it. So I think you have to have, and you have to have a vertical these days to sell your CMS, right? Like WordPress can't be the be all end all to end everything because as much as we like to squid it squeeze it into everything like it isn't (laughs) yeah there there was an interesting article you shared in the show notes which i will link in the show notes for the listeners about the actual market share of respective cms's and stuff like that the reason we mentioned wordpress so much is because it is more than 60 percent of the entire market is wordpress and it is the only one in double figures, let alone 60%. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like us as SEOs, we talk about SEO is over, overarching, right? Like across all the search engines. But we all know how much market share Google is taking up. So like, it's the same conversation, right? <laughs> like, we're all optimizing for Google. <laughs> you occasionally meet Let's like the, the Bing or the Baidu specialist and you're like, huh. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or I love a DuckDuckGo conversation. Like, let's oh, wow. have that privacy conversation <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> but they don't take up any market share and they hid all the stats of how much they were growing last year, which I'm curious as to why they did. So I want to find out more about that. But that's not the topic of this podcast. <laughs> um, but if you if you know how to code at a certain point, like roll your own honestly like it's 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 as easy as a barrier to entry to create your own github repo as it is to roll your own wordpress at this point so i think it's honestly just personal preference 
do you like blue shirts? Do you like green shirts? What's the fashion at the time? And what's the time available you have um, to create your own? And what's the end goal? Like if you're going to have other people managing your website that are not as techy as most of us working on the web do, then you have to make sure that there's something available for those people to be able to update at a certain point. Um, but if it's just for you, like you're rolling your own portfolio, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about that, like, is there anything, again, this is, this is a broader topic in and of itself, but if somebody is looking to do that and get into coding and build their own website from scratch, like what are going to be the essential languages that they're going to need to do that kind of stuff? Me, like I said, I'm not particularly techy. I know HTML pretty well at this point. I've dipped my toes into a bit of JavaScript and a bit of CSS, but like really not enough to say anything about it. But yeah, is, is there anything from, from your side, Jess, is there anything you would recommend to be like, these are the fundamentals you will need to kind of roll up your own website in 2023. 100%. The three are still essential in my everyday language. And every day that I talk about is HTML, like you said, which is essentially markup, right? Like it's just understanding the markup because Google, that's, that's the language that Google still reads every day. And that's the language of the web. So understanding HTML uh, CSS, because that's what modifies the HTML and styles it to make it look blue, green, yellow, flash. I wish. Bring Blink back. Bring. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a JavaScript, because that's the other layer. So whether or not you're doing vanilla JavaScript, you know, Angular, whatever your flavor is in there, um, vanilla JavaScript is still the language of the internet too. So like understanding uh, variables, you know, all that language loops, um, how to do like display, um, things with the console, everything in the console of the browser that we're all probably using, Chrome, is all JavaScript. So like just understanding some bits of those languages um, and most of those you can Google. So like that's totally fair too. Um, and, <laughs> and all those languages are documented enough that you can literally Google your way out of any problem that you would need to do these days. Or you could ChatGPT your way out of any problem. You could just talk to ChatGPT I use ChatGPT Weekly for regex still because I don't know regex and I don't want to know regex at this point. <laughs> so I, I won't like, tell Miriam you said that. Don't worry. No, I know. She, I love her. Gosh. <laughs> um, but I, if I'm looking for all the non-branded searches in Search Console um, and then all the questions out of Search Console, I don't want to remember that regex at the end of the day. And Search Console wants me to include a regex for that. So you know, F it. I'm just going to go to ChatGPT and I'm going to ask them how I can do this myself, which Google would also be able to answer. Um, it's just easier with ChatGPT. Um, but yeah, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript are the three that I would say that you need to learn. And that's that's going all the way back. When I worked at an agency as a full uh, front-end developer, uh, the front end, one of the front-end developers that I work with, we had to go through an exercise where we had to write out all the tools we were using. And uh, one of the higher-end developers, senior front-end developers, uh, she wrote down Google as a tool that she was using. And I've still <laughs> held on to that because uh, our bosses were like, yeah, you need to know how to Google your way out of any problem that you get into, whether or not that's Stack Overflow or whatever that cadence is that you use, because our brains only can hold so much information in them. So it's just, it, it is a tool at the end of the day as much as it is helpful. So like... If you don't remember the exact way to write a link, like you can use those tools in front of you, right? H, href and use the attributes and all that. 
it's I, I think those are the three essentials. HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Just some basic stuff. There's basic code that you can learn that will uh, like level you up, especially in conversations when you start talking to clients. Awesome. Well, let's dive back into the CMS side of things when it comes to coding and think about mentioned a couple so far and a couple of different variations i think we kind of already got to the answer to this question but are all cms's created equal when you want to say you you've you've learned a bit of html you've learned a bit of css you want to play around and not just have your bog standard theme your your generic kind of chuck it out there and and let the cms do its own thing you want to have a a little bit of an adjustment a little bit of a play around a little bit of customization are all cms's created equal in that way no. <laughs> Again, <laughs> podcast over. <laughs> um, I've 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 kind of touted this since the beginning of CMSs, but I uh, I think if you're if you're building a project, think of the goal of that project before you think of the CMS and the and and the tool that you're wanting to use. Um, we all have our biases. Like you, you would be like Squarespace, get out of here. I'm not even thinking of using you. But if it came to a point of like you had a goal of creating a small store that just needed an easy front end, um, Squarespace might be the answer for you, you know, like so I wouldn't rule all of these things out. Um, start with the goal of what you're looking to achieve. So uh, my my latest example that I put in our show notes too, and this is a very Canadian example, so I'm sorry for diving <laughs> into this right under the gate. Um, but Tim Hortons, which you guys have in the UK now. <laughs> I've yet to experience it, but it's, apparently we do. Yes, it's it's okay, honestly. Like it used to be. <laughs> oh, a lot hold better, on, whoa, whoa. But... I thought it was some Canadian <laughs> institution that, like, national pride, it you're is. all proud of and stuff. And then everybody goes like, eh, "It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine." Um, but they started a merch shop, so they didn't want to roll it into their main domain. So they started a tin shop so they decided to look for the tool that would fulfill that need. And all they did was roll up a Shopify store. They rolled out of a Shopify store, rolled it onto a subdomain, and you know they don't need to have all the integration of all of that stuff because they're running at like that high-level enterprise you know, company that speaks to the man, the everyman of Canada. So screw it. They're just like, we're going to roll it into a subdomain and see how it does. They're selling some t-shirts and some like very gen um what is it what are the gen the younger kids alpha? are the like 20 somethings alpha There's whatever Z, those people Z are they're alpha, aiming yeah, for yeah. zed thank you they're running really <laughs> for like the gen zed people mm. who like want their cool hip t-shirts that are oversized and <laughs> there, there is <laughs> what a have big you? thing at the moment where there's almost like a counter style thing where you wear pur purposefully crap like supermarket branded shorts and stuff like i've seen we have like little and aldi over here in the uk and they're these like super budget supermarkets that are originally european and have come over here but usually not something you would want to wear and like show off or whatever but now it's a huge thing they're they're teaming up with primark and like you can get entire an entire clothes set from head to toe underwear overwear active wear all this kind of stuff branded with a shit supermarket i'm like it's yeah. weird, like counterculture. I mean, I'm I'm about to turn 33 tomorrow, so I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> By the time you hear this, listeners, this will have already happened. Happy birthday but... <laughs> to you! <laughs> yeah. 
Thank um, you for using yeah, the, uh, the like, cheaper happy birthday song there, by the way. The other one's much more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and, and I imagine actually back to her, if you need to know code thing, like I imagine, um, this is my hypothesis of why Tim Hortons did this this way, is their marketing team was like, we want to sell those cheaper, you know, hip to the gen Z people with the with the old school Tim Hortons logos so that they can sell their oversized t-shirts to them. Great. <laughs> awesome. Do we have developer resources? No. Do we have time to roll up our own code? No. <laughs> How much time do you have? Little to none. <laughs> so I imagine someone in their marketing department was like, cool, let's just spin up a Shopify store. Done. We can load in all of our marketing stuff and they can connect it to their warehouses. Easy, done, no problem. They can connect it to their um, the, the Primarchs or, who, or whoever are running their you know creation of the logos and the shirts. They can pull in, uh, they can pull a graphic designer off some other team to like just modify a theme that they have, run it on a subdomain, QA it for three weeks, roll it out to the internet, done. If it sells 500,000 <laughs> shirts, then you can get buy-in to roll it into the main domain, right? And nobody needs to know code at the end of the day, especially if you're in the marketing side and you're like, listen, I want to sell some t-shirts because you're, you're, you're Tim Hortons, you're a billion dollar brand. You're not going to be able to get the buy-in once you're in there to be able to have code or to pull a developer off or to like do these things or have them lift their head up from all the Jira tasks that they're running. <laughs> <laughs> They're far too important to keep that train running of timhortons.ca or timhortons.com or whatever you guys are running as your global brand. That is far more important. So that's 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 our whole reason to run like a Shopify, right? Like that we've been talking about. If you know a little bit of code and you can get away with it, then you can run something like Shopify and get your buy-in, make your case, get some sales, um, and then eventually roll it into the main domain, ideally. Yeah, I think it's worth saying as well, like you don't necessarily have to be married to a domain Sorry, I, I'm married to a CMS for the rest of your life, right? I know migrations is a whole other topic that we've we've covered on oh the show before. And, uh, Let's every not SEO, say we did. <laughs> we, we all roll our eyes and go, oh, God, oh, no, oh, migrations. <laughs> but yeah, changing CMS, as much as it can be a big hassle and an expensive thing, it's not the end of the world. And if you, like you said, start off on one thing, you, you're a small startup, you start off with the smallest thing you can manage, just you and you know, a handful of other people, even less, maybe it's just yourself. When you turn into that billion dollar franchise, you know, a decade or however many years down the road, you can then start upscaling and getting, suddenly you have a team of developers on board or you're working with an agency and all this kind of stuff. Exactly. So let's think about the CMS that lets us do the most playing around and fiddling. Not quite just doing it ourselves, but you still want a little bit of that kind of backbone and support from your experience jess what do you think are some of the best kind of like that give you the most freedom kind of cms i guess to, to play around and, and play around with code stuff mine currently um and this might change because cms like i say are like fashion <laughs> um but mine currently right now is webflow big time there um i'm a 90s developer like i started on geocities and like all these old school which were cms's as well right like um so all of your documentation is literally talks to me directly they're like oh 
if you coded stuff in GeoCities, I was like, I am your fan for life. <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking of niches there, um, right? They've they've nailed their perfect target audience. Right? Like, it's they you, have. Jess. So th- I think they're speaking <laughs> to me. Yeah, they're speaking to the 90s developers who grew up and like aged into the old school. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they give you a lovely flexibility of being able to code stuff if you want to code stuff, but also like giving you the grid. So if you know CSS and uh, and and grid layouts, grid layouts are just a standard way of of creating the web now or flow, um, the flow layouts. So uh, it, it's a really good balance of if you know some code enough to just to be dangerous or enough to be able to know that you can break stuff and rebuild it again because that's also <laughs> coding. <laughs> that's a fundamental um, of coding, and, isn't it? I think pretty much right. <laughs> Um, and then it gives you enough to be able to to build in beautiful designs. So I've I, I've called myself a coder for a very long time, but I'm not a designer by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. That is where I pull in wonderful people who have that lovely view of the internet. Or I'll pull in a template, or I'll pull in my friends who can make things. Um, they can go in, and we we call it zhuzh. <laughs> they can zhuzh up, up my yeah. web device. Yeah, just zhuzh it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use those terms, but they do. So cool. Awesome. Please <laughs> judge away. <laughs> um, and I love Webflow as well because they built it in a responsive mode from the ground up too. So um, if, you're, if you're building stuff on the web and you're building stuff just for desktops, please don't. It's not the world we live in. We build things for these things, right? Like we have We've, those little phones in front been, of it's us. It's been yeah. the messaging from Google from an indexing perspective, but I think it's so true for the internet as a whole. It's not mobile first anymore. It's mobile only, really. Like, let's be realistic exactly. about it. So much of our browsing day-to-day is on our phones and so much of us interacting with sites, even outside of us being SEOs and us just being humans that exist in 2023. I use my phone all the time for all kinds of stuff. I recently got a new phone because I use it so much for so many different things, whether that's writing the show notes for podcasts or, you know, creating new like a lot of the CMSs have their own apps as well. You can manage exactly. your own site on your phone. So even if you get that emergency moment from a client where you're not at your desktop and you're like, uh, yeah, I think I could do that. And you log into the app and you can have a little uh, play around. But yeah, you're totally right. Please build for mobile, everybody. Like just by default now. <laughs> yeah. And you can do that really easily with Webflow, I find personally. I know you can do it with page builders and stuff with WordPress as well, just as easily. But I, I, yeah, per your original question, what I love personally about is is Webflow as you can build. I there's obviously trade offs with going with every single CMS, so I don't think there's one silver bullet that you can hit for everyone across the web. Um, so yeah, I just I just find playing around with Webflow these days is a fantastic place to live. <laughs> They're also oh, I also really love them because you can build out templates and build out scalable programmatic SEO plays really easily with them. Um, you can import data through like CSVs, um, and then line it up to fields within your pages. So if you're looking to do like city-based pages or something generic like that, or country or whatever you're targeting with your keyword research that you've found that there's a gap in. You can build and scale those pages just mwah. It's just, oh, it's a beautiful thing. There you go. The future sponsor of the podcast, by the sounds of it, won't play. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just talk to me. Oh, <laughs> thanks. You'll get a commission as well, Jess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is my affiliate code I'll be dropping after the podcast. 
I think we definitely should go to webflow.com slash Jess Joyce. Get 10% off your first yeah, website. I'm not paid by any of these CMSs. <laughs> None of them at all. Yeah, just I to just, clarify, yeah. we're, we're not sponsored by any of these CMSs either. Like, our, our, our current sponsor, Systrix, is not a CMS, so we have no bias either way. It's just me and Jess talking from personal experience about yeah, your love yeah. of Webflow <laughs> and my hatred of Squarespace and then everything somewhere in the uh, middle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I feel like you're you're the light side to the dark side here. Like, I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing the hate, you're bringing the love. Yeah, you're bringing the darts to the uh, to the who's the other one? Oh God, I'm embarrassing myself now. <laughs> Are you not much of a Star like, Wars person? Isn't going deep enough. <laughs> I am. I'm just losing it at the moment. This is, I've been in. I, I've I've been in JK land all day. My kids started on um, JK this week, so I'm in like school mode of like that instead of nerd mode. <laughs> That's understandable, mate. That's understandable. Don't worry. So let's think about kind of the other end of it, I guess. If you don't want to do any coding at all, and you're one of the kind of similar to myself, a less techie SEO, but you still want to have a bit of flexibility, you still want to have the ability to do the fundamental SEO stuff we've talked about, right? You still want to be able to change your page titles, actually be able to build different templates using the CMS and not just be stuck with one single thing and all that kind of stuff. What would be the CMS that kind of springs to mind for you? Or maybe a, ha a couple or a handful of them that spring to mind for you, Jess? Yeah, I would say still Webflow because Webflow gives you the opportunity to not have to touch code at all as oh, we well. Are I think their interfaces. I know, I know, I'm sorry. Okay, so I'll I'm switch joking, gears too. Is I still think I still think that 63% of the market or whatever it's at is, is WordPress as much as it has uh, an incredible amount of trade-offs, which I will add to the end of this conversation as like the stars and the caveats that go along <laughs> with it. <laughs> um, but it does give you the amount of flexibility that's really easy to, to get up and rolling and rocking and just like play around. And as much as WordPress started as a blogging software, that was like their main shtick, it has evolved very nicely into a lovely CMS that you can run very easily, very efficiently, um, very happily um, with with like a lot, not a lot of touching it um, because I feel like a lot of people understand the back end of WordPress now. So it does have that market saturation too almost, um, but I find a lot of people also know it. So like if you're talking to like, I work with a law firm who doesn't know code at all but they can go into the back end of their WordPress and update stuff just because they have a visual editor in there. Um, and the new editors in Gutenberg and stuff have given you visual editing that you didn't have before. So you don't need that level of like knowing code anymore. You can still just like click around and they have all those visual editors um, and they have their own editors and then they have the third party editors that are all available. Um, so like the Elementors and the Beaver builders or whatever goodness gracious oh, thing you're be gonna be. Beaver builder drove me insane on a client a couple of years ago. Yeah, same. I, I wanted same. to no tear, more. It, tear it out of that WordPress site. Good lord. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen the fashion being that like people are even moving away from Elementor and just using Gutenberg because they um because Gutenberg's actually getting to the level that you can build out the blocks within your site, which is pretty much what Elementor was giving you the option of anyway. So um, it's it's I think the the flow of WordPress has come back to like very easy to manage. Uh, my caveats though with WordPress, <laughs> because there are a lot, is uh, it's built on PHP, which is the biggest programming language on the internet, 
It's also because it's the largest CMS, it's the, easily, it's the most easily hacked CMS. Um, much like uh, like the Windows versus uh, PC discussion a couple years ago of like using a PC was, uh, was crappy because it was going to get hacked. Um, it's like that with WordPress. So um, if you're using WordPress, please do never have a username as, as admin ever, ever in your entire <laughs> life. Like use a password manager and then set up a user in that account that you have no idea what the username and password is. Um, and then number two, make sure you have backups set up with whatever hosting you have because um, because you're going to start using plugins and things that may collide and break and things. Um, you may break your entire website and that might not even be your problem. I've, I've had to rebuild a site over the web or over the, over the weekend because our backups didn't work. <laughs> and <laughs> I pushed an update button, which conflicted with three oh, other plugins God. and then it blew up the entire site. <laughs> yeah. I've, so, I've had a similar kind of fun. experience. There was a site I was working on that had about 60 active plugins on it. And uh, yeah, somebody naming no names pressed update all in the corner, and uh, oh. it just updated like twenty of them at a time, and they all just, like, as you said, they just smooshed together in a big old pile up of trouble, and then you don't know what caused which problem, and then, like you said, exactly. you have to roll a back to a backup or a restore an old version or whatever it is, and then it's like. Okay, so what went wrong? And you have to individually update each plugin and go through that process. Um, funny enough, I was, I was talking to Luke, our senior search specialist here in Canada, just before we started recording, because he's very tech-minded like yourself, Jess. And I was like, I want to get your perspective on this. Like, And he said, WordPress is great, but it is so easy to break. And exactly, exactly. as you said there, as soon as you start tweaking anything ever so slightly, it can clash with a million other things that are going on in the back end. And as soon as you're build, you've got a page builder on top of a bunch of other plugins and like we I've had it with clients where they try like they have an analytics plugin that is clashing with just the normal tag manager stuff you've put in there. Yes. And then you try and put something like rank math or Yoast in there, which then automatically also tries to put analytics on there as well. Yes. And you're suddenly like triple tracking and it's like, oh my God, what's going on? It's all gone horribly wrong. And it's just like automatic stuff that you really need to read through and untick those boxes to make sure you're not going to have a big car crash of a website, basically. Exactly. I've called it pluginification. Oh, I like that. Adding on to all the other ones because like that's the answer in WordPress is like, oh, I want to add a table of contents, add a plugin. Right? You wanna like you wanna do X or Y, you wanna add in like ecom, add a plugin. It's like it's just the answer to every question because every every problem that you've had in WordPress has probably been solved by a plugin. <laughs> <laughs> And every problem you ever I had also, with WordPress is caused by a plugin. Is caused by a plugin. So the answer and the cause to every problem is also a plugin. Um, I need to uh, get Shopify that on a t-shirt. We need this. that on a t-shirt right now. We do. The cause and Shopify answer to all of our problems this. are plugins. <laughs> exactly. Shopify also has this, but the caveat with Shopify is every plugin seems to be paid. So you're also starting to add that monthly... Uh, account on top of whatever you're looking for, which kind of makes you look at things in a different perspective. All of a sudden, you're paying $10 extra for an email plugin, and you're like, what am I paying for? <laughs> <laughs>
So I actually kind of like that model a little better lately because it makes you think of like, oh, how can I do this within the Shopify ecosystem without leaving the Shopify ecosystem? Um, whereas in like WordPress, you're like, ah, screw it. Just push the button and we'll install it and we'll figure it out later. (laughs) (laughs) Which if you say figure it out later, who does that always roll down to? That's that's future Jess's problem right there. Let's not worry about that. Right? (laughs) But that's future Jack's problem too. When you're like, oh, your site takes 10 seconds to load. (laughs) Whose problem is that now? Yeah, that that is a uh, a whole a whole issue. Like the the layers, a whole the, other the, podcast. The pluginification of of websites is such a thing. Again, having that conversation with other agencies, being like, "Oh yeah, we build bespoke websites and all that kind of stuff." And like, are you just layering bespoke. a few dozen plugins over the top of a theme, and then that's it? Like, you are. Yes, that's as, what you're as doing. well. They're probably making custom plugins as well, which is oh, a whole God. other thing. Yeah, that it's very yeah. complicated. Please stop making custom plugins. Everyone out there, you have the ability to make things default so that everybody can use them <laughs> through the web. Be a good community user and please make things that other people can use. <laughs> I, I saw this the other day. People are creating plugins using like chat GPT and basically just being like, okay, I just want this thing to do this thing and just get a few different pieces of whatever whatever cms you're on and be like oh i've created my new wordpress plugin and i'm just gonna chuck it straight in there like oh dear oh i'm so scared for that future uh, as much as we were (laughs) you know singing the praises of how useful chat gpt can be and how useful it can be specifically for helping with coding and stuff it does need to kind of be that human qa process of especially if you're less experienced like i wouldn't trust myself because i am not that experienced enough to just be like hey chat gpt build me this thing write CSS for this thing, because I would not be able to QA my own work and know that ChatGPT has actually got it right. And that's a big part of actually being able to understand it well enough to see where the problems are, right? <laughs> yep. Context. Always, uh, like, that's the biggest problem with SEO, right? Is always context. Like, you can answer any question in SEO as long as you have the context of whatever's going on. Same with all this coding stuff. It's the, like, there's a level of coders out there that are the copy and paste coders that I feel like I was for a long time too. Like the people who would go to Stack Overflow or whatever and just copy the code and paste it in. But you didn't know what that code did. It's the same thing with ChatGPT. Please don't like take that code and paste it in because you don't have the context of whatever that person was using it for. So until you understand what the use case was for that and why you're using it, um, hold back. (laughs) (laughs) so just start hitting random triggers and hoping for the best yeah make friends with your developers like you just were talking about jack like ask them i'm sure they would be happy to answer a quick question maybe don't pose it as a quick question because that always sounds very negative and like you know that the question is going to be much larger when you're like i have a quick question but just like make friends with your developers or make friends with somebody who can answer those questions with the context of whatever project that you're looking at executing on yeah. That's the biggest piece that I feel like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's so many bridges that need to be built. Like as as much as SEO is, it often feels like a bit of an echo chamber and a bit of a little bubble off in our own yeah. internet world. It is so important to have those relationships with the other teams. Like you mentioned having the relationship with the marketing department. Like you, as an SEO, you yes. might not be directly related to that marketing department or me working as an agency or you working freelance, you're external to that company, but 
having that good rapport and relationship and understanding and understanding where their knowledge lies and where their knowledge doesn't lie and how you can kind of balance each other out and all that kind of stuff totally applies to developers as well like there is nothing better than onboarding a new client meeting their developer and you just like click and have that moment where the developer understands where you're coming from you understand where they're coming from and it's this lovely little goldilocks zone where everybody is happy and just hanging out and then there's that's my next meeting. Honestly, oh, there you after go. This. Nice. Was, I love that. That's that's my zone of influence. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, find uh, make friends. Honestly, like try to find where you can make the biggest moves. And this is an SEO too, right? Like if if you don't need to know how to code to make a CMS. Back to the whole point of this podcast, right? But you can make friends with the people who do. Because then you can get buy-in to build whatever you're doing, which is the context that we're looking at building out for everything in SEO. Huge. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a such a key part of, even within the SEO community, like having the fact that you and I have connected online and now we're having this conversation, but but knowing people like Miriam or bringing people like Lydia or yes. like all these different people with different skills coming together and helping each other out. And like you said, bouncing ideas and questions off each other and all this kind of stuff. I, I think well, that's a huge part of why I've enjoyed being a part of the SEO community over the last few years, because it feels same. like we can have this kind of conversation. And like I said, your strengths are not my strengths and my weaknesses are not your weaknesses. So I can rely yeah. on you for, a, you know, oh, hey, Jess, I've written this piece of code. Am I completely insane? Does this make sense? <laughs> and you can go, Jack, exactly. you got that bit wrong, but I like that idea, but you that up like <laughs> and and shout out to lydia because the one cms that we haven't touched on are the headless cms absolutely too. so on across all the code and across the entire internet of everything you can do headless cms's are like the new hotness <laughs> are, are are the on tuesdays we wear pink hotness right like of the mean <laughs> girls side of herself um and lydia can speak to this in in much better words than both you and i can right like the headless CMSs go on top of your CMSs like a beautiful hat that you can wear, that you can inject all the wonderfulness into. So if you don't have access to doing the things that you want to do in your CMS, you can add sanity on top of that to be able to make things better, faster, stronger, to make your SEO go better, faster, stronger, to build out like those programmatic templates like you can do in Webflow to do copious amounts of things, um, but on top of everything else with a beautiful hat. Yeah, headless CMS is such an interesting topic. I talked with Alex Wright from Clicky a few months ago specifically about headless CMSs and the ability to say if you're working with a client who wants a site and an app and all these different various things. And yes. Like we said yes. earlier on, like, oh, you should build mobile first, but headless CMS gives you that next level of flexibility to have it in a multitude of different formats and different platforms and, being again, having that power to kind of play around with a bit more stuff, pulling all of your content APIs into one thing and then pushing it out to various different platforms is very cool. I've I've yet to really play around with one like properly, to be honest. I, I had one for a client a couple of years ago, but I was never given CMS access. So I only kind of saw it from oh. the outside. And it I was just like, can I just can I just have a little play around, please? Can I just I was like pouring yeah. at the window, just like, can you let me in, please? I'd like to have I'd like to try <laughs> oh. this. Uh that was contentful, was that uh that headless CMS. Yeah. Again, contentful is getting pretty large too. Yeah, yeah. I've I've never used it, but I'm interested to to have a go at some headless CMS stuff. <laughs> Lots of awesome stuff you can do with them. 
Awesome. Well, that is a pretty good whistle-stop tour through CMSs, Jeff. That is a an interesting range of stuff, like I said, from my rage to your joy and everything in between. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> it's my favorite. We're like musical differences. Because you have the metal shirt on. I should have put on like a happy pop band shirt. Are, are, we, the, we, are we the like... Barbie Oppenheimer? Is this what we're doing? Like... <gasps> you're rocking you're rocking the Barbie headphones. It. I'm rocking the Oppenheimer headphones. I am. Like, yeah. Oh yes, Barbieheimer. We're we're the Barbenheimer podcasting duo right now. We are for CMSs. <laughs> for CMSs. <laughs> well, the Barbie to my Oppenheimer. Where can people follow you on social media, on the internet, and keep up with your excellent posts all around tech SEO and oh. CMSs and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I'm still on Twitter, refusing to call it X. So I'm on Twitter at Just Joyce um, until Elon ruins it and completely, you know, does whatever he does or flies to Mars. Please do. Um, and then uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. We've been doing a lot of awesome posts on there to kind of share as much of our processes internally with the external world um, or JustJoyce.com. Uh, I have my own website, which is run on WordPress. Hey, there we go. Nice. Hey, there we go. <laughs> awesome. Links for all that stuff listed will be in the show notes, so please do go and follow Jess. She's a very entertaining follow on whatever you want to follow, whether, whether you're still on X, but definitely on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is kind of where a lot of us SEOs are kind of gravitating towards. And I see some people are trying to make Mastodon a thing. Some people are trying to do Blue Sky. I think LinkedIn's probably going to be the, the SEO place to hang out once as you said, Elon blasts it into Mars and turns it into X or whatever is going on. <laughs> Thank you for having me, though. I love this podcast and I love Candor. We were talking about uh, your boss, too, earlier. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure. It's really nice to, like I said, finally have a conversation and actually sit down and, and chat yeah. with you <laughs> after, after so long of knowing each other online. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Jess, for a fantastic episode. Thanks. And that about wraps up for this week. Thank you once again to Jess Joyce for joining me. That was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed the conversation about CMSs and coding as much as I did. I felt like I learned a lot and uh, had a lot of fun while we were chatting as well. Coming up very soon, like as you hear this on Monday, later on this week, I am going to be in Brighton with Mark and a few other Candelorians at Brighton SEO. So if you are there, please do come and say hello. I will be running around with a microphone. I will be interviewing people. And that will be the following episode will be the Brighton SEO special. That will be the live podcast that I record on Wednesday, the 13th of September with the fantastic duo from the SEO Mindset podcast. That will be next week's episode. So you'll get the podcast version of the live event happening in Brighton. And following that, will be the interviews I do around Brighton SEO with some of the top names and stars of the SEO world. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I hope you enjoy the Brighton SEO specials. There's always some of my favorite episodes to record and edit and things like that. So please do stay tuned for that over the next couple of weeks. Of course, we will also have the monthly recap when Mark and I get back together on Systrix's YouTube channel and do Systrix with Candor at the end of the month, every single month. And I will have plenty of other guests coming up in September as well, including guests such as Adam Gent. We're going to talk about how to we're going to talk about how to think like an SEO product manager, which I think is a really interesting topic. Adam has been doing some fantastic work 
with the SEO Sprint and the podcast over there. I'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. So you can go and check out Adam's podcast as well, talking all about SEO product managers with other SEO product managers. And I'm going to be talking with Adam about how to bring that thought process and mindset and adapt it and things I can learn as a non-SEO PM from the mindset of SEO PMs. We're going to give some examples from our clients. We're going to dive into all kinds of different stuff, the day-to-day of SEO PM stuff. It's going to be a really interesting conversation coming up in the next few weeks as well. So please do stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening and have a lovely week.